Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, we're rolling on Greeny here on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Huge week for us. A week from today, the book is out. Got your number. It's available for pre-order anywhere you want right now. You can join us on Talk Shop Live tonight and hear Hembo and I in our first ever debate with regard to this book. Uh, Mad Dog Russo and Ryan Clark will take issue with some of the positions that we have taken. You can sign up at TalkShopLive.com right now. Search my name. You can be a part of it and get an autographed copy of the book as well. Meanwhile, uh, as the rest of the country joins us, I just need to play that again because it's just funny. And and I I don't mean this as a criticism of Robert Sala. I don't. This is not meant. This is not. It just came out wrong. This, when, when asked about Zach Wilson, I mean, imagine being Zach Wilson. Like, I don't have anything against him. He's a terrible football player, but I have nothing against him as a human being. Um, eh, well, whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, the things I think I know about him, I don't love either. But that's neither here nor there. Um, but it's got to be you know, pre- pretty rough. I mean, a franchise takes you number two overall, and two years later, everyone, including the franchise itself, is begging for someone else to be the quarterback. And last year, your teammates are making T-shirts for your backup, Mike White. But anyway, it's just kind of a funny thing when Robert Sala was asked about it yesterday when he said... He's got a lot of things that he still has to, he wants to accomplish, and I, I, I still think that he hasn't even come close to sniffing his ceiling, and he's got a lot of room to grow. And- yeah, sniffing his ceiling. So, so again, A, he has, not, he has most certainly not sniffed his ceiling. As Hembo pointed out, you don't sniff a ceiling. Like, that's not really... What, what is the actual expression he's looking for? Touching his ceiling? Reach, Reach his ceiling? Approach. Yeah, he is... is so, whatever... Let's put it, I don't know what his ceiling is. He has not, he has not sniffed... Most I think he has. You think he has sniffed his ceiling? Bubba, if you're telling me you think he has sniffed his ceiling, then you're telling me he's going to be the worst pick ever. I mean, uh, isn't he? I I mean, I hope not. I mean, what Robert Sala is telling you there is that he's still got a good attitude. He's working hard on getting better and that he has not sniffed his ceiling. And as I was saying, and I just think it's kind of funny, I'm not sure if anyone else has ever had this experience. Because you think to yourself, you don't really sniff a ceiling. A, it's not an expression. B... It's just not something you generally do. Maybe if, you know, maybe is there is there gas? Is there is anyone smell anyone smell gas? My wife, I was just saying, does this stace. We have a problem with the, the upstairs neighbors. We live on the fourth floor. We have a neighbor who lives on the fifth floor. It's not their fault. But we smell their cooking. One particular spot in the apartment. Hmm. We can smell that whatever they're what cooking. What do they usually dinner. cook? They they um I'm not exactly sure, but it's it's a it's a it's a pungent it's a heavy, strong enough that you it's could a, yeah. It's it's hmm. it's a pretty heavy smell, and it and it is a um, like a lot of spicy stuff, like a curry kind of a feel huh. to it. Yeah, don't love it, but anyway, so we're dealing with that. But I well, generally when it's happening, I go on around my day, but I will always find Stace. She's got a little step ladder, she, you oh, know she, those little three step ladders that you use to get. We have very high cabinets in my apartment, so so she has a little a ladder that she keeps so she can reach the I don't know paper towels or whatever she keeps up there. But she I will find. <laughs> She's not going to love that I'm telling you this story. (laughs) I will find her sometimes in the apartment, standing on that thing with her head pointed straight up going... And then, Michael, do you smell? Do you smell it? I think I smell it. And whether I do or I don't, I mean, it's just hilariously funny. And it's helpful to be like a foot and a half closer to the ceiling in this case. I guess. The thing that's weird about Salah's clip here is that he doesn't pause before he uses the the verb sniff. Like, he says it as if he has said it before. I mean, it does make sense. 
It's not it's not the usual usage of that, but we all understand what he means. Sure. Right. It, you know what he means by he hasn't sniffed. You know ceiling. what he means. What I'm saying is he's using a phrase that does not exist and has used it before based on the fact that he didn't pause before he said. Sniff. See, I think you're being unnecessarily unfair to my coach, and I'm not OK with that. What Robert Sala said makes sense. And I don't think he meant it. It makes the way- sense only because your wife has a uh, roof uh, no, sniffing experience. No, because you know what it means. He's, no, he's so far away from his ceiling, he can't even sniff it, is what he's trying to say. And he better be right, because otherwise it's the worst draft pick in the history of the sport. But one way or the other, that was yesterday, and I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, speaking of this, Bubba, I learned something that I really like. You ready for this? Oh, yeah. Um, so uh, almost everyone's brackets are busted, you know, beyond belief when it comes to March Madness, right? This was a, an unpredictable and incredible season. Yep, I had Arizona. Been, you, you, you had Arizona, right. And I had Alabama and, and, and whatever else. So I have zero of the teams in the Final Four. Did you have UConn, Bubba? That's the one team some people have. I had UConn in the Final Four. Yeah, me but, too. Okay, so a lot of people have that. So guess who is going to win the pool – that Hembo is in. So Hembo is in the big pool, the one that matters to him. Like some of us, you know, you enter a bunch of different pools, but there's one that really matters to him. Guess who is going to win Hembo's pool? Hembo, tell them. My wife, Lizzie. <laughs> oh, yes. Is going to win. Tell yes. them why she picked the teams that she picked. So Lizzie had Miami and UConn both reaching the Final Four. <laughs> she has Miami in the Final Four because there is a TikTok influencer that she favors, that she enjoys watching, who goes to Miami, mm-hmm. and she chose UConn because she works on first take, likes Molly Karam, who went to UConn. And so for those reasons, she is going to win the pool. That, 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 that is, is that the best thing or the worst thing about this tournament? That Lizzie Hembikitis, who, to quote the great Bill Parcells, would not know if the ball was stuffed with feathers or pumped up with air. I mean, she, not a sports fan. Uh, particularly, I don't even know why I'm saying that. She knows something about sports. But she, if, if you're picking a team based upon the TikTok influencer, you obviously haven't done a lot of statistical research, is going to beat Hembo, who wrote a well-received <laughs> article for ESPN.com that was everywhere about all the different ways you should fill out a bracket. Remember, he had his 10 rules, the golden rules. Whatever you do, don't fill out your sheet of integrity till you hear from Hembo. Make she sure didn't you pick follow this. his rules, I guess. Make sure you pick that. She didn't. So Hembo went with his rules. Lizzie picked a TikTok influencer and her friend Molly Kiram, and Lizzie won. So what does this say, Bubba, about the NCAA tournament as we know it? Oh, well, it says next year I'm asking Lizzie for <laughs> advice. I'm not I'm, – forget Hembo's 10 rules. I want her to write it. Yeah, article. I'm going to say tell me who the TikTok person is next year and tell me who her picks are. I, I like that. Her. Literally three of the rules didn't hit. Yeah. A 16 beat a 1, no 12 beat a 5 – and no number one seed will win the national championship. Like, I, I did like 10 hours of research on this. I grinded the tape. She went with TikTok and Molly's alma mater and is going to win our pool. We got to have her on next year and, ha- yeah. and have her picks. No, I got a better, I got a better idea. The next book I do, I want her doing the research. I <laughs> yeah, want, there you go. I want Lizzie to be my, my collaborator on the next book I do because obviously she knows the most about sports of anybody in the family. So we got that going for us, which I very much like. Okay, um, th- where should I go next? I've had so many things that didn't happen when we meant them to happen. Do I have time for that? Yeah, let's do it. The Belichick thing. So Bill Belichick sitting there yesterday with um, Mike Reese, uh, who covers the Patriots for us, at the, you know, the media availability this breakfast, 
Um, and Mike Reese, is the question on there? Yes. Yeah, so we're going to hear Mike Reese ask him, why should your fans feel confident going into the season? And Bill gave his answer. What would you say to them to give them a reason to be optimistic for what's ahead for the Patriots? Last 25 years. Okay. So Bill Belichick flexed like crazy. Google me. Do you know who I am? And let me say, <laughs> I have been surprised and disappointed at the reaction I've heard to this. Teddy Bruschi didn't like it. He got on him. Devin McCourty didn't like it. He got on him. Marque- uh, Marcus Spears didn't like it. He got on him. I like it. I like it. You're Bill freaking Belichick. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Do you know what the reason the fans should be confident is? I'm the best coach ever. That's no, I have zero issue with Bill Belichick saying that. We live in a society, we live in a culture where people listen to the most popular form of music in this country. It is nonstop self-aggrandizing. That's all it is. The entire world can be summed up today with the two-word phrase, Google me. Why can't Bill say that? Because he's not usually that way? I think Bill Belichick is sick to death of being told that, you know what? I guess it turns out it was all Brady. Guess it turns out it wasn't you. Brady went down to Tampa, won a Super Bowl. Guess that means your role in all this was peripheral. Guess it means that being the head coach of a team that made nine Super Bowls and won six of them was just kind of a fluke. You were kind of along for the ride. I used to say this back in the days when I covered Jordan. Would Michael Jordan have won a championship without Phil Jackson? Probably. Would he have won six? Hell no. Would Tom Brady have won a championship without Bill Belichick? Probably. Would he have won six? Hell no. And I have zero issue, zero, with Bill Belichick saying, do you know who I am? Do you have any idea what I have accomplished? That's why the fans should feel confident. Because I'm Bill freaking Belichick. I I have no problem with it. I don't disagree with a word that you just said, but let me ask you a follow-up question. Yeah. If the season started today, yeah. where were the Patriots finished within their own division? I don't know. The first year that they won the Super Bowl, they looked like they were on the verge of being the worst team in the NFL. And I predicted on the air after week one that Belichick was going to get fired. Are How they, about that? Are they better than the Dolphins? I don't know. Who's better, the Dolphins quarterback going to be? Tua for half the season. If that. Are they better than a Jets team with Aaron Rodgers? I really hope not. Are they better than the Buffalo Bills? Probably not. His track record is beyond reproach, but that doesn't mean that his career can't turn into Greg Popovich's. Five years ago, this would have seemed impossible. Now this team is tanking for Victor Wimbanyana. Like, if you have great players for two decades, you're going to win some championships. But no matter how good Bill Belichick is, he can't overcome his roster. Both can be true at the same time. To me, he's Popovich. Unless he can find himself a great quarterback, he's going to turn himself into Greg Popovich. So you're saying Greg Popovich. I want to make sure I'm taking this all the way to its logical conclusion. Mm. Are you saying Greg Popovich is exclusively or overwhelmingly a product of Tim Duncan? He won five titles in 16 years with Tim Duncan. Bill won six titles in 18 years with Tom Brady. And ever since then, Greg Popovich has slowly fallen off a cliff. Okay. How many, but here's my question. Mm-hmm. How many championships would Tim Duncan have won if Greg Popovich had not been his coach? There's no way to know that. Right. And there's no, but, but that's my point. Oh. But why are we assuming it would be almost, it would still be so many? We're not assuming anything in the past. We're spinning it forward now. Mike Reese asked the question, why should fans be optimistic about the future? What I'm saying is 
The, f- the past is not necessarily predictive if you look at the current set of circumstances. Okay. The current set of circumstances are that in the three years since he lost to the greatest and most accomplished player of all time, he's been a 500 coach. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been, what, are the, what is it, he's 25 and 25? Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, and 9 and 9 within the division. So, so he's, he's, yeah. he's, he's, he's coached 50 games. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't gone 10 and 40. He's gone 500. That means a ball bounces your way here or there. You never know what happens. He made the playoffs with a rookie quarterback two years ago. Now, I think he made one huge mistake last year, and that is the way he handled the offensive coordinator situation worked out really badly, and he corrected it. He doesn't have to stand up there and say, I made a mistake. He tells you with his actions. He hired Bill O'Brien back. They're going to get a lot better. So are you asking me, do I think that the talent on the roster from top to bottom of the Patriots is the best in that division? No. But I bet I think the coaching is. If you said to me right now, my head coach could either be Mike McDaniels, Sean McDermott, um, uh, who am I forgetting? Oh, Robert Sala or Bill Belichick. That's a pretty easy one. And that matters. So are you, are you telling me right now that you will be shocked if the Patriots make the playoffs this year? I won't. I'll be surprised. I'll be I su- won't be that surprised. I'll be surprised. I will not. I will not. And, and, and so, you know, I don't, I don't have any issue with Bill Belichick flexing anytime he wants. It's Greeny. We're coming to you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Chase. I'm late. We're back with the green light and more. ESPN Radio. Google me. <laughs> It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at Prize Picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, Prize Picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance. So that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePicks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com Greenberg and use code Greenberg for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com Greenberg, code Greenberg, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks, pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to turn your car into the mvp and bring home that win keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply reggie white who's a defensive end for the green bay packers says that the fire bombing of his church in knoxville tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him first there was one fire then there was another then there was another it wasn't just reggie's church that burnt down hundreds of churches burned in the 90s i think we have a major problem in our country and we don't want to admit and that has to do with racism was this 1996 or 1956 30 for 30 podcast and Antsgate presents through the flames listen now wherever you get your podcasts 
Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. I quoted this song today on Get Up. And, and, and the reality of the situation, I've said this about Bill Belichick today in the same way that Eminem raps it about Dr. Dre. Nowadays, everybody got to talk like they got something to say, but nothing comes out when they move their lips, just a bunch of gibberish, and everybody act like they forgot about Bill. And that's the reality of the situation. Look, maybe this is just the, the getting older in me. But I don't think we just start forgetting these guys, how great they are and how great they've been because they've had three decent years. He hasn't had bad years. Bill Belichick has done a better job coaching his team than almost anyone else has in the league. Teams rebuild at some point in their tenure. And when the greatest quarterback of all time leaves, that's usually a pretty good time. Any team's three three rebuilding seasons being 25 and 25 with a playoff appearance, all things considered, not that bad. Three years is not one or t- three years in the NFL is a consequential amount of time. Like that's like the average head coaching tenure in the NFL. Yeah, but that's really an NFL problem. Like if you're making a decision on someone in three years, it means you didn't really have any conviction in the de- decision you made in the first place. Let me ask you a question then. How many years of average are you willing to give him? I don't know. I mean, how many championships has Mike Tomlin won? Are we suggesting we should get rid of him? No one's suggesting we should get rid of Tomlin. No, of course not. But... Has he been better the last three years? Has his team been better the last three years than Belichick's? No, but no one's suggesting we, we fire Bill. He was asked why they should be optimistic about next season. And the reason is he's the coach. And the answer to the question, why do I believe the Steelers will ride again, mm-hmm. is because Mike Tomlin is mm-hmm. the coach. And because when people are elite, I don't have a problem with them saying they're elite. I don't know. Everyone is like, oh, but Bill shouldn't say that. He tells his players not to say it. What does that have to do with anything? But coaches and players are always held to the same rules? Mm. That'd be ridiculous. Those players haven't won six championships as the alpha person in the entire organization. He has. All right, it is time for the progressive MLB snapshot. We are brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $700 on average. I thought I had seen everything happen in a baseball game. And then yesterday. I'm ready to go right now. Green light, light with Greeny. Give me the green light. Yesterday represented a new low in player-umpire relations and, and maybe a new low in the history of officiating in sports. This happened in a spring training baseball game, so nobody cares, including me, except that it's ridiculous. So, Hembo, I'm going to give you the green light to explain the details of what happened to JT Realmuto yesterday and how he got thrown out of a Major League Baseball spring training game for doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> Phillies catcher JT Realmuto was ejected yesterday from a spring training game for what the AP describes as an awkward ball exchange that followed a pitch clock violation. So the home plate umpire's name is Randy Rosenberg. Randy Rosenberg primarily is a AAA umpire. He got some big league uh, time over the last few years, but generally speaking, he is in above his head. He calls a pitch clock violation on Phillies pitcher Craig Kimbrell, and afterwards, he received a, uh, Kimbrell received a new baseball from Rosenberg, who threw it back to him. Kimbrell did not like the baseball, and so he threw it to the dugout, at which point JT Realmuto, the Phillies catcher, extends his glove uh, beyond his uh, left ear to receive the, ne- to the, baseball, the baseball from the home plate umpire, thinking that he's going to throw it to Craig Kimbrell again, which he just previously did. <laughs> JT Realmuto removes his glove from that area. The home plate umpire throws the ball down. It winds up hitting the ground. 
and ejects JT Realmuto immediately. On the spot. No, no questions asked. No, hey man, what was that about? Nothing. Just you're out. You're showing me up. You you have humiliated me. The, the baseball expression for this forever has been showing me up. I'm so incredibly sensitive and insecure that my immediate reaction to you doing something where there was at minimum a 50-50 chance you weren't doing it on purpose, my immediate reaction is, well, you must no longer be allowed to compete in this event. You must go because you have dared to make me possibly look bad. It was, I I can't explain it. Hembo just gave it to you, but the bottom line, you just have to see it it or not. Mm -hmm. It is worse than you think. (laughs) Whatever it is you think it is, it's worse. The catcher thinks the ump is going to throw the ball back to the pitcher, so he moves his glove. The ump drops the ball, thinking he's going to drop it into the glove, and immediately says, you dare do this to me, and throws him out of a game. Where are these robots? Where are the mechanical umpires that we're all waiting for? For crying out loud, how sensitive can a person possibly be? That is incredible. I, I don't. I don't even. I don't. I'm, what do I say? I mean, what, what, what am I? What, I'm a talk show host. Tell me what I'm supposed to it, say about it is this. The, it is the all-time softest move. And three, four, five years from now, when they are introducing the robo umps and bringing baseball into the into the 21st century, they're going to play this moment between Rosenberg and Real Muto as the day in which umpiring was murdered as a profession forever. This was the moment. I honestly, it makes me. I've watched it ten times this morning. It's one of the funniest things oh, I've I ever seen it's on hilarious. a baseball field. Yeah, if it was if it was an act, it would have been hilarious. <laughs> it would be it would be too funny to, to put in. You've never seen anything like it in your life. JT Realmuto, by the way, mild mannered, has never been ejected from a baseball game in his entire big league career. If this had happened in a regular season game, this would be it would be the most out like you'd see an enormous amount of outrage and for good reason. And here's the other side of it. So he throws him out immediately. And then, obviously, isn't interested in hearing an explanation. Because if he was a, a human being with any sense of, any concept of proportion and any confidence in himself, he would be able to say, you know what, my bad. You're not thrown out. I, I, I take it back. I mean, that, I, is there a rule in the rule book that when an umpire makes that you're out of here motion, a player cannot be, they can't undo it? That I don't know. I mean, uh, so, so what I'm saying is I don't think it's against the rule for the umpire to say, oh, is that what you meant? Okay, <laughs> that's kind of funny. By the way. I misunderstood. Let's get on with our day. If you watch on the video, Rio Muto, you can, you can read his lips. He says, I thought you threw the ball back to Craig. Right. And he goes, no chance. <laughs> He said he, he, had, he had assumed guilt. He was, he was like, you're guilty. Right. And, and let's even say he was deacon him, like just for the sake of conversation. That's an ejectable offense anyway? Yeah. Like that, that's the most outrageous thing about it. Like it's not as if the misunderstanding could be justified as if, let's say, J.T. Real Muto's intentions were the worst possible intentions. In like, this circumstance, right. which are really not that bad. <laughs> no. He hasn't even sniffed the ceiling of bad intentions. But I'm watching it again now. He drops it, boom, throws him out right away. And Real Muto is saying something to him. Hey, I, I was just throwing the ball right. back. And the umpire, let's see, is standing there looking at him. And, and, and yeah, he, now they're showing it to me in slow motion. I thought you threw it back to him. And he's and Real Muto is looking around like, this can't be serious. He can't believe this is happening to himself. Yeah. Like, within mean, a minute, 
He's laughing about it. Obviously, the Phillies manager, Rob Thompson, comes out. People are asking JT Real Muto while he's exiting the field, why are you exiting the field? Right. Like, this is not something anyone has ever seen or done before. It's, it's just ludicrous. So, yeah, the robo-wumps, when all the umpires lose their job to robotic strike zones, they have this guy to thank. You've had this right for years, honestly, because I've argued against the robo-wumps until recently. But you're right. The worst part about human error it's humans. Right? Yes. Let's, let's get rid of the humans. He just made a mistake. Like, the umpire could literally have just undone this My in bad. one second. Oh, that's hilarious. I thought you were ma- trying to make me look like an idiot. Okay, go on. Uh, pitch clock start. <laughs> like, that. he could have easily done that. But no, he said, oh, no way. You had terrible intentions here. Your sole goal in life is to make me look bad. And by the way, the crew chief defended his umpire. He says, did Randy act hastily? No, Dan Iasonia said. I believe Randy felt like the situation warranted an ejection, and that's what he did. Right. Well, I I guess that's what he's supposed to say, but, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Back in a flash on ESPN Radio. Death is the only punishment here. Now streaming, FX's Shogun. My master asks, what do you seek here? To vanquish our common enemies. Based on the global bestseller by James Clavell. War is coming. The epic saga of war, passion, and power. Let it come. FX's Shogun, now streaming on Hulu. Greeny, the podcast. Well, this is Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Uh, another reminder tonight, Talk Shop Live. Greeny and Hembo versus Mad Dog Russo and Ryan Clark. Join us 7 Eastern tonight. You get a chance to ask questions to all of us about our book, Got Your Number. It's our first debate tonight. There will be many more. And you can get autographed copies of the book as well. Just go to TalkShopLive.com right now and uh, search my name, and you can be a part of the fun. Tonight, 7 o'clock, we'll be taking your questions for Chris uh, and for Ryan and for Hembo and for me. So looking forward to that. The book is called Got Your Number. It'll be in stores a week from today. Now. Today, I am going to, for the second time, defend someone you're not expecting me to defend. So I defended Bill Belichick earlier today. People perceive me to hate Belichick. I don't hate Belichick at all. I've said many times I fear Belichick. I admire Belichick. I always root against Belichick, but that's because he coaches against my team. But I defended him and his comments, and I'm going to now defend Kevin Durant which you might not be expecting me to do. So you probably all saw Charles on 60 Minutes on Sunday night. He was talking about the the easy go-to is to ask him about KD. And so, of course, they did. And, of course, he responded. He's very sensitive, great player. He's part of that generation who think he can't be criticized. He's never looked in the mirror and says, man, was that a fair criticism? We're in agreement. Today's players are... A little more sensitive to criticism than your That generation. would be an understatement. Okay. So I know Charles feels that way. And, 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 of course, he is more than entitled to his opinion. But let me give mine. I have two reasons that I'm going to defend Kevin Durant. One of them is that Charles once criticized Michael Jordan as an owner. And that ended their friendship. Charles and Michael are like were best friends going back to their playing days. I was there in 92 when they met each or 93, excuse me, when they met each other in the finals. They were incredibly close friends and remained that way for a long time. And Charles gave his opinion about Michael Jordan's tenure as an owner 
wasn't even that critical. He said something to the effect of, you know, Michael is, uh, I think I thought what he said, he's listening to the wrong people. I forget what exactly he said. Whatever it is he said, Michael has never spoken to him again. No one was more sensitive than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is legendarily sensitive. Michael Jordan, what, what is the entire, every single meme and, and or gif that came out of the last dance was him saying, and I took that personally, right? Michael Jordan's entire persona is, I took that personally. Chip on the shoulder. Making up reasons to be mad at people. Like, that's what made him who he is. I don't mean it critically. I, I, he's the greatest of all time. And I, 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 I revere Michael Jordan. But the idea that players of that generation were not sensitive to criticism, I just think is not right. Here's the second part about Durant in particular. Kevin Durant is never criticized for his game. Kevin Durant is always personally criticized. No one ever says Kevin Durant isn't that good. He's not as good as people say he is. He doesn't do this or that on the floor. That's never, he's a bad teammate. He's, he's uh, you know, he shoots too much. No one ever says any of those things about Kevin Durant. Frankly, no one thinks them. All the criticism of Kevin Durant, and in my opinion, some of it completely justified, has been about his decision-making, has been about, I mean, off the floor, his life, about the way he conducts himself, about his self-confidence, about whether it was a soft move, weak move to leave Oklahoma State and go there. He has been attacked personally or criticized. Attacked is too strong a word. He has been criticized as a human being far more than I think most of the great stars have been. No one ever criticized Michael that way. And if they did, I, I mean, I don't even know what you would say. I remember a time, I'm going to tell a story, gather round. There was a columnist named Dave Anderson who wrote for the New York Times forever. He was a Pulitzer Prize winner. He was a legendary sports columnist. His son, Steve Anderson, was my boss at ESPN at one time. He's now, Steve is retired but he actually was part of hiring me at ESPN. But whatever, he worked at ESPN a long time. His father, Dave Anderson, before I came to ESPN, was a legendary columnist for the New York Times. Dave Anderson, when the Knicks were playing the Bulls in the Eastern Conference Finals, the year that Michael went was seen in Atlantic City gambling at 5 in the morning. I think this was 92. It might have been 93. One of those two years that they met each other in the Eastern Conference Finals. Dave Anderson wrote a very critical column suggesting that Jordan was letting his team down by being out that time, gambling, whatever it was, questioning his will to win or his desire. Two things then happened. One, the Bulls swept the series from that point forward. Jordan played like a man possessed. Two, Michael stopped talking to the entire media for a period of time. Not just to Dave Anderson, who I'm not sure if he ever spoke to before, that or since. Uh, Dave is no longer with us, but I don't know if he ever spoke to Dave about it at all. But he stopped talking to me. He stopped talking to all of the press corps that covered him because he was so offended that someone had questioned how important winning was to him. Now, I thoroughly disagreed with Dave Anderson's column. It was, a frankly, it was a ridiculous premise. Anyone who spent 10 consecutive minutes around Michael Jordan knew that there was nothing on the planet more important to him than winning. So it was a ridiculous column. But the point I'm trying to make is they questioned Michael. The only time I ever really remember his character being questioned, he stopped speaking to the entire media 
for, I don't remember, a couple of weeks. It started again in the NBA Finals. It was the year they played Phoenix, so it was 93. And, uh, and because I remember where I was when he, when he met, but you know, when he talked to us again for the first time up until that for several weeks, I think I was just sort of chasing around with a microphone and he wouldn't talk. And it was what it was. I, you know, that was the storyline then. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not criticizing Michael Jordan. I revere Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is exactly what I think an athlete should be from the top of his head to the, to the tips of his toes. But what I am saying is, being sensitive to criticism, particularly at the personal level that Kevin Durant hears it, I don't think is new. And, um, and so I'm defending him in that regard. What do you think of that? I, I think that you have this about right because like, much of this stems from Kevin Durant's activity on social media, obviously, mm-hmm. which I don't tr- believe necessarily does anything more than reveal a lot more. If Michael Jordan had been born 20 years later... It's not obvious to me that he wouldn't do the same thing. We have no way of knowing. But to me, no one's doing anything wrong here. Charles Barkley's paid to provide his opinion, which he does as well as anybody. Kevin Durant's paid to play basketball, which he does as well as anybody. And I don't personally find the clapping back to be attractive. But like, that's like complaining that people don't read the newspaper anymore. Like Complaining about the world as it exists is just a futile exercise. And every generation has always thought that younger people were worse than them. Well, you parented all of us. Like, this is just how these things go. Like, I don't know what purpose it serves for Barkley to, to say these things. It's a perfectly valid opinion. I think it's ultimately meaningless. So, so the players of Barkley's generation think the players of today are soft in general. And one of the reasons for that is the load management and the lack of emphasis mm. that exists on the regular season. The players of today will say that the media and others placing all the emphasis on the postseason and the, and the finals and the rings ha- is what de-emphasized the meaning of the regular season. I don't happen to think that's a good explanation. Mm-hmm. What I do think has happened, because my son played AAU basketball, and don't get me wrong, he was never going to play at a, at a high level of any kind, but he was a decent little player at his age, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. And I, and I spent uh, years, I mean, just literally years of my life driving around, driving to AAU tournaments and all that kind of stuff. And I loved it. I, I had the best time. And I, you know, I became very close to the other parents and to the other kids on the teams and whatever else. But here's my observation for any of you who've never, who don't really understand what's going on on the AAU circuit. And this is true whether you are a bunch of kids who were just playing mostly for fun or you, know, you would always see in the tournament like there was one court that there were hundreds of people standing around watching because there was a kid there who was projected to be a D1 player. You know, that everyone knows who everyone is at these things. And the point I'm making is, you know what those tournaments are? You get there at nine in the morning you play like six games on Saturday. You go sleep in a hotel. You get up on Sunday. You play like five games on Sunday and you drive back. So no thought, time, energy, or effort is put into winning any one individual of these games. The players are, the really good players aren't playing any defense at all. They're shooting from wherever they want, whenever they want, doing whatever they want. And losing the game, the outcome of, of the games half the time doesn't even really feel like it matters. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it's a little more competitive than other times. But frequently it isn't. And so, to your point, this is the the world in which the young players have been raised. They've been raised in a world where we're going to play a ton of games. Yeah, we're going to win some, we're going to lose some. doesn't really matter that much. I'll play the ones that really matter. 
when I'm playing for my high school, when I'm playing for my college, when I'm playing for, you know, this tournament really matters. This one doesn't matter as much. And that's kind of what the, they, the way they treat the NBA regular season. Now, the obvious difference is that people aren't paying thousands of dollars to come watch them play in these AAU tournaments. But that, I, I, in my opinion, that is the primary mm. reason we have gotten to where we are with the NBA's regular right, season. Right, so the, the NBA has become a byproduct of the feeder system in some ways, mm-hmm. and the environment, the ecosystem in which these kids are raised and learn to play basketball manifests over many years. But do you find, do you believe, do you agree with Charles and other older players that there is something inherently flawed about that modern player in terms of how, um, how bad they want it or how soft they might be? Do you think those things are, are valid or do you think it's just a sign of the times? Like I think they're the different. Changes? I think their priorities are different. So there is a different, there is a different they are just different people, as all people are. Look, I love my children more than I love any people that I, I ever knew I could. I didn't know I was capable of loving people as much as I love my kids. But their perspective on the world and my perspective on the world are very different. And I raised them, right? They were raised in my house. Um, and, and, and with my values, and, and to whatever degree, and Stacey's that we were able to instill and all the rest of that. And yet they have a very different vision of the world of what's important than I do. In some ways, I think very honorably, you know, like, like some parts of it are really good. Like I'll give you a quick example. We're going to run out of time. And I know this is going to sound a little off topic, but I like it. Do you know that the generation to which my children belong, maybe um, Cam is the closest to it that we have in this conversation. Do you know what one of the biggest differences about them as consumers are versus people my age is they pay attention to the companies that they are supporting with their, um, with their money. Which is to say, if I'm going to buy a soda, when I was a kid, I would buy a soda based exclusively on which one I like best and probably which one was the cheapest. They actually care, well, this company is doing things for the environment. This company is doing this, that, or the other, mm. whatever it is. I like them. I like what they stand for. I'm going to actually, um, I'm going to participate in their, whatever it might be. Like, I, I didn't even know that stuff when I was growing up. I didn't know who supported what. I, the, 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 that's not anything you paid attention to then. People, young people today, and this, I'm not just observing this, I've read this, uh, is, is that when they're making their decisions as consumers, that's a huge part of, of what they do. That's totally different, I'm here to tell you, mm. than the world was 20 years ago and beyond. So that's just one example of ways that this younger generation, I think, is way better than my generation. Way better. So, of course, there are things about them that I don't favor, that I say, man, that's a ridiculous way to look at things. But I'm the old one. They're the future. I'm the past. So, you know, in that regard, Kevin Durant and his generation of players, that, that's what's coming. Like, it's not, it's not making a U-turn and going back to previous days. Anyway, that got a little convoluted, but I like the discussion. Again, I hope we will see you tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern, talkshoplive.com we will go head to head hembo and i will with uh ryan clark and chris mad dog russo you can ask your questions and get signed copies of the book see you then greeny on espn radio he hasn't even come close to sniffing a ceiling the ceiling is the roof thanks for listening to greeny the podcast you can listen live each weekday morning at 10 eastern on espn radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the espn app Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.